What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Zealous State of Mind podcast. You're the Guru Canes, probably a part of the West West Network. Today's guest is probably something I was really excited about and very grateful to get him on the podcast. It was the world famous Jim Wendler, I guess, in more in the strength conditioning uh, world. And yeah, I've been following his stuff for quite a few years. Heard him on a bunch of podcasts. I bought his book, One Three uh, Five Three One. Uh, forever and done this program uh, a few times and really enjoyed the stuff and i've heard him a few times on podcasts so i mainly wanted to talk about training high school athletes development and leadership and that sort of thing and uh, it was great we learned a lot from him you know had a few few laughs as you know uh if you listen to jim before he cracks he's got a good sense of humor cracks a few jokes and stuff like that so really enjoyed the the podcast it was great connecting with him someone that i've been following from afar for quite a few years so yeah thanks jim and uh, your wife juliet for for connecting and agreeing to jump on the podcast and talk to me really enjoyed it appreciate it uh as usual before we start the episode check out all the latest episodes articles everything's happening at the west west network uh social media website there's been some it's coming into summer. There's um, uh, music, summertime uh, playlist from the 135 ladies. And if you're into your American sports, the boys have been doing the Sportscast podcast. And there's been some episodes out on the Empty Out the Clip. So check those out. Anything else that's happening. Hope you enjoy the show. And remember to stay ready and move every day. Peace. Zealous, zealous state of mind. This is the zealous state of mind. Zealous state of mind. Yeah, it's the state of mind. This is the zealous state of mind. Zealous state of mind. All right, thanks, Jim, for jumping on. Appreciate your time. Uh, could you please just start us off a little bit about your background, where you're from, that type of thing, leading up to where you are now, and then we'll go from there. All right. Uh, my name is Jim Wendler. Uh, I grew up just outside of Chicago. Uh, went to school uh, originally at the Air Force Academy and then uh, transferred to the University of Arizona. I played football there. Uh, after that, I went <clears throat> and uh, did a, a graduate assistantship at the University of Kentucky uh, with the football program. I also worked with a couple different other sports. Uh, then I, uh, went to elite FTS or as it was known back in the day, elite fitness systems. Uh, and then eventually I think after about 10 years of being there, or so I branched off on my own. I, most people would know me from, uh, writing the five, three, one program, writing the books and stuff. As far as training, uh, I started training between the uh, summers of my seventh and eighth grade year. So I was about 12 or 13 years old. Uh, this was my, begged my dad for years. You know, I wanted to lift weights so bad and, you know, be strong and all that stuff. And so he finally relented uh, and uh, I haven't stopped since. So that was my introduction. We used, uh, again, there's not a lot of information out there. So we started off. Some of your older viewers might remember some of the old Nautilus circuit machines. Uh, we had two of those in our uh, high school weight room. 
And uh, eventually after maybe three or four months, I started squatting and benching and doing some of that stuff. But the workouts were very, very basic. Uh, and then about, I think it was in my, probably during my freshman year of football. So it was pretty fresh. Uh, football is a uh, fall sport. So my first, I found a magazine detail and like how real athletes train. It was such an eye opener for me. I couldn't believe that people were hiding this. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it was just a different take on how I had been training before, which was just, you know, for the lack of a better term, bodybuilding style and up and, you know, uh, I also played, uh, like my seventh and eighth grade year, I played, I, I think five sports a year. So, you know, I was always busy doing sports. I just trained right through it. You're young. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But, uh, I got, you know, when I started reading some of the articles, it was like, Oh my God, like this makes so much sense to me now. You know, you're not squatting, uh, you know, 80 sets of 30, you know, stupid stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so yeah, that was, and then from, since I started training, like I'd been obsessed with it, just obsessed trying to find information. And so by the time I had graduated high school, I had, uh, I was already writing my own programs and uh, reading as much as I could. Again, this was prior to the internet. You just had a few books, maybe that were at the, at the library, if you could, if they happen to have a book on training or uh, whatever, you pick up whatever information. And then luckily I had a teacher at my high school who knew a you know shit ton about training who helped guide me and that's that was my probably my biggest uh uh influence you know he was uh he you know squatted push pressed power cleaned hand cleaned bench you know all that stuff uh little did a ton of box jumps and hill sprints and stuff like that so oh, yeah. i kind of was uh put off on the right path pretty, pretty early in my life. Just like when, uh, when I was in fifth grade, I was introduced to Slayer and Venom and Celtic Frost. And I didn't know that was like cool underground metal, but that's, you know, how I was introduced to, to heavy music. And it's so like, I kind of started off on the right foot. I didn't start with, uh, you know, cheesy pop music. It was fucking heavy, crazy shit from the beginning. So uh, and that's just a result of, you know, where you grew up or who you chose to hang around and who you were open to listening to as far as like uh, the uh, Darren, my uh, mentor, uh, teacher, coach in high school. So uh, just very, very lucky to uh, be receptive to that and to have those people in my life. So, hmm. um, what, what and, was, you know, I trained. Go ahead. What, what was your thing with picking up? like wait till 12, 13, like what inspired that? You know, not many, usually like around 16, something like I sort of start, or maybe 14, uh, yeah, you know, like it was pretty early that you were interested in it. Yeah. Uh, well, growing up in that time, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and all those big action stars were massive to me. You know, they have the huge muscles. It's not like it is today where you have, and I love Jason Statham, but <laughs> he's not inspiring anyone to pick up weights. Um <laughs> So there was that, and then I, I don't know how I came upon this, but I realized really early, probably my seventh grade year, that I wasn't horribly talented. I was athletic. I could play sports, you know, better than most kids. But when you go look at other people in other sports or, you know, pro athletes or even kids I played against, I realized I wasn't uh, super talented like they were. Mm. You know, does that make sense? 
Yeah. Like I, I had like a keen understanding that I wasn't going to be uh, Walter Payton or Barry Sanders or any of these great athletes. And I remember reading an article that said, Hey, if you do this, you'll get faster, you'll get stronger, you'll get better. And I was like, fuck, I, I can do this. And like, this is something yeah. I have control over. Yeah. I can lift as hard as I can. And from that day on, it was, um, I'm going to do as much as this as possible. So I get an advantage on the, on the uh, football field or whatever other sport I was playing. And then, you know, from my sixth, seventh and eighth grade year, I ran, I played football, baseball, basketball, wrestled, and I uh, ran track. And I was a really good uh, cross country runner. Mm. And I just ran cross country like I lifted weights. I would just fucking, there's no pacing. I just, <laughs> you know, because I figured, what the hell? You know, I don't, I, my dad was always a fairly, you know, preached aggressiveness and stuff like that. And then after I started lifting weights, the eighth grade year uh, track came along. That's at the end of the year. That's the spring semester. And now all of a sudden I was the fastest kid in the school. Wow. And I was like, well, there's only one reason why this happened. I mean, I was, it wasn't stupid. I'm like, I'm stronger. So the stronger I got, the faster I got. Mm. And, uh, and then you parlay that into when I played college football, you know, I played uh, at a level of college football that was so far beyond my level of talent. And the only reason I was there was just because I was in better shape and I was stronger than most other people. Yeah. It had nothing to do with talent because there was 99.99999% of the people on that team were faster, better, more talented than I was. I was just willing to stick it out a little more than the, than the next guy. Yeah. And, you know, being, uh, you know, I squatted, I think, six – 22 for a double when I was about 220 pounds or so, 225 in college. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's an awesome lift, but you have to realize that I didn't miss lifting. I never missed a lifting day. And uh, so it's a, it sounds good. And then you realize to realize all the work that went in there and it's not a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and one of the things that always kind of upset me a little bit was my, eventually after I stopped playing football, uh, I went right into powerlifting and I went into my first powerlifting meet and, uh, I was like, I think 30 pounds away from an elite total. And people were like, Oh my God, that was your first meet. Holy shit. You're so strong. I'm like, dude, this is 20 years of training. Like this wasn't just to <laughs> pick up a barbell, like six yeah. months prior. It's a lot of work that went in there. And, uh, so, you know, someone once, asked me if I was a good squatter. I said, no, I'm just a dedicated squatter. Mm. Cause that was the big lift when I was a kid and uh, growing all three squats were it like, you know, bench and all that other stuff I could care less about, but uh, you know, squatting, jumping, squatting, jumping. That was the, the key to athletic success. As far as I knew yeah. it was squats, jumps and running sprinting Hills. So yeah. the consistency I um, heard recently on like a previous podcast, they, yeah. they have your, you have your guys train right through Christmas, like all year round, basically. And it's sort of something that yeah. seems to be a trend for you, you know, for your own training and with, with the boys you coach. Yeah. Well, there's a, <clears throat> just so everyone knows, I work with a high school football team at the, at London high school, which is a small town in London, it's London, Ohio. And, uh, we're not, and I tell the, I'm very straight up with the kids. We're never going to win a game because we're more talented. Uh, but we can win a game again, just like I found out if we just work harder and smarter, there's a, 
you have to do both. You can't just, you know, run yourself into the wall. So the easiest way I found to do that is just be as consistent as possible. So generally speaking, uh, we probably take one, I think the most we've ever taken off in a year is two weeks. That's total uh, throughout a, you know, a calendar any year. And so we, as soon as the season's over, uh, we're back in that weight room the next week and we're training right through. We train right through the end season. Like we don't miss days during the in seasons. We, uh, what, what's we what you do in season? Well, uh, how many days do you do in season in the gym? We do two main lifting days and we do two recovery days. So, uh, we play our games on Friday. On Saturday, our kids will come in and we'll do recovery workouts. It's not very hard. Uh, and then we have a hard day on Monday, a hard day on Wednesday. And then we do uh, recovery and yoga work. Believe it or not, I, I run the yoga <laughs> on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. So I had, a, I had to learn yoga pretty quick because I, I started doing it. And I realized the, uh, it was so good for me. And uh, it's been good for the kids. The kids love to do it. You know, the kids have a good laugh. Uh, I mean, they take it seriously, but, you know, you see a, you know, 240-pound dude just uh, trying to twist. And uh, But I think it's been good. So, but the bottom line is, like, we we will win because uh, we're more consistent. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, obviously there's coaching involved in that, you know, as far as, you know, coaching the athletes and stuff. I'm not talking about that. That's a whole other entity that they do a great job with. But with what I do is we train as consistent as possible. And the more consistent you train, the less balls, the wall craziness you can, you have to train because you're always coming in, having a good workout. You never have to really, uh, I call it, you never have to cram for the test a little bit here, a little bit there. And, and, uh, even over Christmas break, I remember we never, we don't take days off during the Christmas break or anything, but one day, one time training fell on Christmas Eve. And I told the kids, I said, listen, we can move it to another day. Uh, and the seniors get to vote. Like, well, I'll come in at nine in the morning on Christmas Eve. And we had a hundred percent turnout. It's just, yeah. that's what's expected here. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked earlier, you know, this is a smaller town. There's only 10,000 people. It's spread out. It's a huge, uh, it's, there's a lot of farms here, but there's just a different kind of attitude here than you would take like uh, in a bigger city. Uh, and the parents are incredibly supportive of what we do here. Um, and it's not an easy program to be part of. If you spend all four years going through here, uh, you're going to be coached hard. Like you're going to earn whatever you get on that field. And uh, I always tell the kids, uh, you know, no one wants to see how the sausage is made, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks great when you win 65 to nothing and you don't throw a single pass during the game and you just beat the shit out of them. But no one sees, like uh, yesterday we ran, we run outside year round and, uh, you know, it's 32 degrees and it's 25 mile an hour, mile an hour gusts. You know, it's, it's not fun. It's icy, uh, it's cold. And, uh, but that's what gets you there is, you know, I call it the Kaiser Soze effect. You remember that movie, Usual Suspects? No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You never saw that movie? Oh, my uh, God. What is it? I'm going to write it down. You, you should go. get off this fucking podcast and go watch it. Usual it's sus- a great movie. Suspects, yeah. Yeah, Usual Suspects. But the, the name and, is uh, uh, as a, yeah. Terrific movie. Uh, but in the movie, uh, Kaiser Sose is a, uh, uh, I guess you call him a drug lord or whatever. It's kind of hard to explain. 
And Kaiser Sosage found out the only way to be successful is to be willing to do what the other guys aren't. That's it. If you're willing to do what the other guys aren't, then you're going to be successful. So you have to find, like, it may be incredibly out of your comfort zone. It may be just a little bit out of your comfort zone, but that's kind of how we approach things. So, yeah. And, you know, to be honest, this, none of this would have been possible if we didn't have the support of the, the head coach. We, even during, uh, I know you're probably not terribly familiar, but we have, uh, we changed how we practiced. Weight training is all the way through the year, all the way through two-a-days and all that other stuff. We, we never miss lifting because it's so important. That's how we know we're going to have that mental and physical edge. Like we are, you know, so, uh, but that doesn't happen without that kind of support. Like you can have all these great dreams, but if you're a head coach and the parents don't want to do it, it doesn't really matter how much you want to do something. So I'm very lucky to be part of a community that kind of accepts the craziness and uh, not only accepts it, but embraces it and expects it. Yeah. I read on uh, one of your more recent articles, you, you guys were 0-9 or something like that. And, um, but I know you guys were pretty rubbish early on. Like how, how many years has it been and to, to build up your program? Like, cause you guys weren't that great before eh? and now, now you guys have been. You know. Yeah. So to, when I first got there, I got there during uh, the practice, the summer practices. So I wasn't part of anything. And that first year I helped out on the field. Okay. And then very early on, I told the head coach, like, listen, man, let me take care of the strength training. Just trust me. I will take care of all this. You don't need to do this anymore because he was doing all that. And so that first year, uh, we, I think we went three and seven. Uh, one of our wins was probably against the worst team I've ever seen in my entire life. And we beat them like 24 to 17. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it was close. Yeah. And uh, we just got manhandled. It was horrible. Kids were hurt all the time. Uh, it was a bad, bad, bad year. And so after that season, uh, I was now in charge. Now, during that in-season, I handled the strength training, but it's a little difficult because I wasn't there before. The kids didn't know me. Um, so once we went into that off-season, uh, the seniors voted no days off. We're going in. We had a final game on Friday. That next Monday, we were right in the weight room. And we changed a ton of stuff about how we did stuff uh, from our, like I said, from our practices to how we trained and all. By the time, so that was in uh, early November. By the time January rolled around, beginning of January, our kids were and this is not me, this was the teachers and the coaches and the parents, our kids were bigger and stronger than they've ever been. And it was like, holy shit, we have a chance. Like we have a chance. <laughs> like, so <laughs> by that next year, so there's just one full off season. By the next year we were in the playoffs. Wow. And we've never missed the playoffs since. Wow. And uh, to put this even more in perspective of those five years, two of the years we played without a quarterback, meaning we didn't have a dedicated quarterback. And it's very difficult to win a football game without a quarterback. We just, we found a kid to play who was a receiver or a linebacker or a running back. We just like, go in there. And we were able to go to the playoffs without having what most would consider the most important team player on the team. Now that's a lot of how we run our offense and stuff like that, but that shows you, Oh, someone's here. Oh, my neighbor Terry's here. <laughs> Getting some sugar. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so it was really just one year year we were able to transform everything oh, 
Yeah. And uh, it just showed, and now again, those, I give a lot of credit to those seniors because to go from three and seven uh, and trust a guy that they really didn't know, you know, I had just kind of moved, come in there and, you know, who is this tattooed bearded dude? What does he fucking know? He's not, <laughs> he's not from London. So uh, I give them a ton of credit. I'm still uh, remaining in contact with some of those guys. And, and uh, so every year it just kind of builds it. When you start having success, people trust you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And now it's gotten to the point where this is what we're expected to do. When you play London football, you know it's going to be a horribly physical, awful game for you. You know it. Mm-hmm. We put guys on the ground. We take care of business. Uh, I don't know how – I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because a lot of our guys aren't the biggest dudes, but they will uh, physically fucking ruin you. I mean, they will. <laughs> and I take tremendous pride in developing a – uh, physical uh, football team. And, you know, the way football is now, at least on the NFL, NFL is very physical, but, you know, they've changed a lot of rules and we've kind of said, nope, we're going back to the old school way and that's how we win football games. So um, I'm super proud to be part of this. Yeah, that's great to hear because one of my um, you know questions was how much does the gym, you know, the, the gym room have an effect on the game and you just pretty much answered it there. Like, cause I've been a big believer in the gym and working hard yeah. and all that stuff, but it's a lot of people are skeptical of how it can transfer to the field, but they, they have it. Eh? Like, cause people, yeah. are, you know, they're real skeptical about that. Like how much it can affect the game, you know? Well, there's, there's a couple things I'll say is one in America football, the weight room is part of the culture. Okay, it's just kind of that's accepted. Not not a, not many sports are like that. Even here, even if you talk a good game, like ah, oh, it's important that we we do this. A lot of teams don't. So, but it is part of the culture. So that, that we kind of got a shoe in right there. But again, everyone likes to talk about it. Like we work real hard. It's like bullshit. Let's really do it. Let's do the the correct work. And uh, you know, I was talking to my wife today about it. Uh, an article I'd like to write about high, high school football is one of the last sport places where you can, if you're willing to do the work physically and you're, if you're willing to be violent, you can find a place on the field. You don't have to be the most talented kid. You just have to, again, we talk about Kaiser Sose. If you're willing to, you know, put your head through someone's face mask, then, I mean, I know you can't do that now, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're willing to do that and if you're willing to control the things you can't control, which is your effort in the weight room, your dedication, uh, your consistency, your attitude uh, in all areas of life. If you're willing to do that, we can find a place for you on our team. You will play somewhere. You know, it may not be the, the position you want, but you will find somewhere on the field. Now, there's not a lot of sports that can say that, especially basketball. There's only five guys. And obviously, talent is always going to reign supreme. But there's 22 places on that football field. And we'll, if you're willing to do that, we will find somewhere for you to go. Like, we have to. It's like we don't have enough guys yeah. uh, to do that. So uh, it's just that's how big it is. And I'm lucky that the, the uh, head coach has his background in strength and conditioning, so he understood it. But I don't think it was until we started dominating, we we're like, holy shit, this is really – like, this is us. Like, this yeah. is who we can be. And uh, I said this to you earlier before we started recording. Uh, we're not going to beat teams on talent. 
we have some very talented kids, but it's a small town. We don't have a lot of, you know, we don't have 4,000 kids go to our high school. We have 400. So we don't have a ton of talent. And uh, so instead of making it, let's, or, you know, getting it, let's just make our kids tougher and stronger. And the other thing is psychologically, it is a huge boost for kids to go out on the field knowing, hey, you know, for the past 48 weeks, I've done the prowler once a week. I've squatted every single day. I've done more chin-ups than I could ever imagine. Like, I know I'm physically ready. Like, there's no one that can beat me. Now, they might be faster than me. You know, they might be more talented, but no one's going to have worked harder than me. And so psychologically, that's a big boost. You know, our kids walk a little, you know, they... (laughs) I want my our kids to think that you know they shit doesn't stink in a way. Yeah. I want them to have that confidence because that is yeah, you that's an attitude you can't uh you can always tell it, you know, have a great attitude, but you have to build that attitude. What about like the gym room? Uh I am assuming that it wasn't really set up the way you wanted in that to begin with. And then it's I, like you said, as you guys got success, maybe you'll be able to like move it around, like add things, different pieces and things like that. Is that the case? You, when I got there, we had a very nice weight room. Okay. You know, we had to move stuff around and we had to buy a couple of things. We had to get rid of a lot of stuff. I got rid of almost anything, any machine. And it wasn't because I'm against machines. The problem is, is if there's 50 kids in that weight room and you have one lap pull machine, you can't program lap pulls. It's a waste of, it's a waste of space. So I think right now we have, 16 full racks with uh you know movable benches we have a boatload of dumbbells and so 99 percent of our no 100 percent of our training we don't do any machine work because we don't have any room yeah. is uh barbell dumbbell or body weight that comprises of everything we do and uh the only thing i really did you know with the you know obviously taking a few things out we added some new racks um we the way that we uh set up the weight room allowed for me to coach perfectly. And we have a nice big space in the uh, middle for, uh, you know, body weight stuff or part of the warm up stuff like that. So it's not all condensed, I guess that's what I said. So, yeah. but I can walk up and down the middle of the weight room and coach, you know, just keep on walking and coaching and coaching. So, yeah, Mom, um, yeah, we, I should say we're very lucky because our kids also, uh, Every summer they raise money for the football program and every piece of equipment we buy is raised by the football team. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. So they, they, you know, it's, it's not fun. We, the kids sell mulch, you know, door to door, door to door and they sell mulch. And that's how we've program. And that's how we've paid for every single plate, dumbbell, barbell rack in that weight room. Hmm. So that's, it's awesome. The work you and your wife are doing. I like, I, I worked in, um, CrossFit gym with my family for like eight years and then did a bit of PT. Yeah. But um, listening to you, I think it was on maybe Barbell Shrugged or one of the podcasts, listening to a few of them. But that was a part of the reason why I, I stepped away and, and I work at a school now because, you know, you were talking about volunteering, you and your wife, and it was more fulfilling. Yes. And I sort of found out through working with uh, at the, the gym, I loved it, but I enjoyed working with the teens more. Like I enjoyed everyone. Yes, and getting back to sports as opposed to just helping people lose weight and stuff. It felt like it was a lot more fulfilling um, working with the team. So I'm sort of in my second year, but isn't it weird that like someone across the world in New Zealand has, you know, got encouraged yeah. from you know as you and, and like other people as well. But that was a part of yeah. it, and I've been loving it. Eh? It's been my second year, and um, you know, trying to 
help the guys get. We got we got a lot of talent at our school. We're we're like three thousand, um, but oh yeah. But the school doesn't prioritize um, uh, training yeah. and things like that at the moment. So, you know, me and a couple of other teachers, we're trying to you know get into the guys and um, you know help the, help the programs. We're at like the building phase, like ground ground level. Yeah, you're at ground zero, man. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. might even be in the basement. Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. Um, you know, that's one of the advantages of being in America is it's taken very seriously. Yeah. Um, especially high school, college, and NFL football, it is nuts here. Like, that's how the – that's kind of – as goes the football team, so does the, uh, you know, the state or the city or the town. It's just really big. Uh, but the, the – I couldn't imagine – like, I talked to people all over the – all over the world and uh especially in uh england you know soccer's big and then rugby's kind of big and i asked them all this stuff and they're like dude it's not even like no one cares like they don't no, the coaches don't care because yeah. it's not part of the culture and it's very difficult because you're trying to basically say uh inst institute a whole brand new way of thinking that people are like well who cares like <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> Yeah, too, yeah. but it could matter it could matter yeah you know if you just let it so yeah yeah it's it's uh that's one thing that i'm very thankful for is yeah. uh being you know at least i'm not starting at the the bottom level and that's tough you know the only thing is is what whoever you work with is they're going to have success and hopefully that builds you know some freshman or eighth grader will see some kid you know, nice who trains his ass off like, holy shit, I can do that too. Like I have control over that. Yeah. And you just hope that success builds and builds and builds. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing is when you're part of a team, uh, like you feel like you're rather than personal training, you're just kind of like, uh, you know what Ronin is the term yeah. Ronin yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a masterless samurai. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you're kind of by yourself, you're not really part of a, uh, a movement or a tribe and when you're part of a team like you know you're an important cog in the machine you know who knows how important it is you know I think sometimes uh when I talk to people uh you know like oh you know thank you for what you do at London and stuff like that I'm like yeah but I'm only one piece of the puzzle like there's a lot of great pieces that have to come together uh, to help and it's awesome to be part of something where you're where you're needed yeah that's you know, like it's an important contribution to society and to this community that's a great point because like i played like yourself played a lot of sports like basketball rugby league cricket like growing up and then like getting into the crossword there was a bit of community too but i missed that uh the journey of an off season and in season the ups and downs the arguments that you have with your teammates your coaches the egos oh, like yeah. It's all a part of it. And I was like, oh, I think I missed that, you know, uh, whether it goes good or bad. It's, it's like you said, it's yep. fun to be a part of a tribe. And, um, you know, you hang out with the parents and, you know, the kids hang out together. You go get, um, yep. get, get something to eat after the games. Like, man, it's all, it's all beautiful stuff. Um, it is. And, uh, you know, people ask me about what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, for about, I don't know, 20 years, I've done probably a million questions and answers and all this other stuff. And I felt like I've made more of a difference in six months when I started doing this than I did in 20 years, um, you know, on the internet. That's not to say that's not important and that can't have value. It just, when you're working one-on-one -on -one with someone and you're there with them every day and you can see them grow from, 
a snot-nosed fucking kid you want to punch when they're you know 13 or 14 to you know 18 years old and they're getting a scholarship to play football and they get all their school paid for it's like holy shit this is awesome uh, you've yeah. earned it kid you know yeah so it's it's nice to be part of something like that yeah i just wanted to ask about like programming too like i, I got your book uh 531 forever and i like the crypt here but just in terms of like um cycles and things like that you know kids they want to move on to uh you know the next program and i know you're like more of a you know keep things basic that type of thing you know um, not change it too much yeah yeah a little bit about your programming like how you move into the next phase and all that sort of stuff all right so we're gonna i'm gonna try and be as simple as possible here is uh you know everyone will say as an example my goal as a strength coach is to make you a better football player or whatever sport right <laughs> yeah. and that's great but my main goal is to make you the most muscular, strongest person I can. Because, uh, so if, by doing that, we'll take care of the stuff on the football field. We want you muscular, strong, and always be in great shape, okay? Are we, just so we're clear. I'm not like, you need to be, that's the most important, that's what we're doing in the weight room. So with the barbell lifts, our main concern is uh, speed and power. So we never really max the kids, we never max the kids out. I always make sure that the kids' weights are low enough that they can complete the reps with plenty to spare, okay? Because we have four years to get to add weight. So I don't want one workout to be, you know, uh, now sometimes we'll put some sets, but for the most part, we're looking for great control, speed, and power, okay? So we're always doing sets of, usually sets of five, sometimes sets of 10, but that's what we do with the barbell. That's year round. So if kidney can go up after a cycle, we'll move them up a little bit. If he's starting to choke a little bit, we'll move them down. I have no problems. And I tell the kids, this is for your own fucking good. Like, just relax. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not an indictment on your character as a human or the length of your penis as a, as a man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So everything after that is generally two things. It's to build muscle because a, a bigger muscle is a stronger muscle. And when you look at our, uh, a 14 year old kid, uh, you can't apply the same principles that the Russians did or the Bulgarians did. Like we just want them stronger. That's great. But this kid can't even do a chin up. Mm. This kid can't do a four count burpee without, you know, taking a dump on himself. Is this, you understand? So I, when I started working with kids, it was a huge eye opener because I forgot all the stuff that needs to get done. This is not internet awesome. This is not like, you know, putting bands and chains and going to a tube board. The kids need to learn how to do a push-up before we do anything. They, kids should be able to do 10 pull-ups before they do anything. So everything after the basic barbell lifts, again, just I want control and power that the kids are always safe but awesome. Everything after that is build as much muscle and get them in great shape. And I, when I say great shape, what does that mean? We run year-round. We never kill the kids running. Okay, because running will really sap all your strength. If I went out and ran, you know, <clears throat> 2500s with minimal rest, the next time we train, the kids are going to be so tired, there's no point. So we we run probably sometimes only 10 minutes. Yeah. But it's good hard running, but we do that 52 weeks out of the year. <laughs> yeah. So it, kids are always, you know, ready. So when when we do need to bump that up once the season starts, the kids have adapted, their ankles feel fine. Um, 
So with the assist and stuff, we usually circuit the shit out of it. And the reason why we do that is uh, one, the kids get a little more fatigued. That's what I want to build muscle. You have to break down the muscle tissue Two, If I tell the kids, as an example, you have five sets of barbell presses, you have five sets of rows and five sets of lunges. If you don't circuit it, it's going to take them 35 minutes because they're going to fart around. When we do stuff on the clock, all, everyone, everything we do in the weight room, everything we do is on the clock. So every rep, every set is done, bam, bam, bam. We're able to get so much work in in a short amount of time. And the resulting thing is we have greater muscle mass. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah. we, don't really, we don't really do a hypertrophy phase, a peak phase, because they can't jump on a 40-inch box. They can't do 30 push-ups. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no reason for phases. And I, we set our goal goals we said listen i said we're the basic body weight stuff like i don't want to line up next to a kid who can't do a push-up on a football <laughs> right yeah. That's, and it's, it's embarrassing like you got to be able to we call it you got to be able to carry your own rifle yeah you know and i think a lot of strength coaches uh live in this world where they think this has already been taken care of the way that the world works now no one has any physical education my wife made a great point she said i'm a glorified PE coach a lot of the times we have to teach them to do uh jumping jacks now did you ever see that video that was posted about seven years ago of the uh special forces guys teaching the afghan army how to do yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it's terrible yeah. and and so we take you take that shit for granted yeah right you teach uh we teach kids how to jump like listen you got to jump off both legs what both legs use your arms so this is all basic stuff that we pound into the ground day after day and i tell the kids you're never too good uh, to do basic squats. You're never too good to do push-ups. You're never too good to do chin-ups. You're never too good to do jumping jacks. So we pound this shit out of the basics over and over and over again. The biggest change that we did this year was everything's on a clock. Though Every warm-up set, every work set, everything is done on a clock as a group. And we're able to get so much more done. Our, <clears throat> our training capacity and our work capacity has skyrocketed since we started doing this. Instead of, I used to be like, listen, you got 20 minutes to finish your lifts. Some of these ding-dongs, so I call them, they're my ding-dongs. Some of the ding-dongs won't ever get anything done. And so this makes them accountable. And, uh, it, you know, so we take, during the barbell lifts, we obviously have longer rest periods between uh, sets. But for the assistance, we do every minute on the minute and we go. Yeah. And uh, I also inform the kids, I call it, you got to have personal sovereignty, meaning listen, you can take a set off and kind of half-ass it, but guess who's not going to play because of that? Mm. You. Yeah. So if, and it's amazing how the kids that seem to play the most seem to work the hardest. It's not a, it's yeah. not a difficult formula to figure out. Yeah. Uh, but at the very least, doing stuff on the minute every minute and uh, telling them exactly what to do kind of forces a lot of kids who kind of need that push. And then all of a sudden, they start getting bigger and stronger. And all of a sudden, you know, Oh, I get how to work because a lot of kids don't know how to work hard. As an example, uh, like when you've been lifting for 25 years, you know how to push a set balls to the wall. Like your nose is bleeding, you know, you're shitting out of your fucking mouth for some reason. It's horrible. <laughs> These kids think that when they do a hard set, that's hard. It's like, dude, you still have like eight reps in you. You just don't know how to tap into that, that yeah. attitude and intensity. 
So even when you're pushing the kids, they aren't really being pushed as hard as you they they think they're being pushed hard, but psychologically and, and physically, they're not really pushed as hard as they can. So the other thing, I know I'm talking a lot here. Well, that's good. That's good. The other thing is we have, it's not just me, it's the head coach. We have insanely high standards to everything we do. I mean, everything has to be on the fucking, you know, when I say down, everyone's down. If you're fucking around, you're out. If our hands are behind the line, if you don't, if your buddy, it's gotten to the point when we're running sprints, if your hand's not the line, you will get MF by the other kid next to you yeah. for being a loser. Like you got to get your shit right. You're going to hold this all back, get your shit, you know? So the kids understand, especially as juniors and seniors, like, listen, this stuff matters. All the little stuff matters because on the football field, again, we're not terribly talented, jumping off sides, making the wrong read, going the wrong way. That's the difference between, you know, a touchdown and a five yard loss. So it's, you know, the little stuff that we preach it. I mean, it's fucking every five minutes I yell at someone for not, <laughs> what's not pointed correct. Like, do it right. Yeah. And I always like, who here runs a 4-4? Four, four? Raise your hand. Ah, oh, so you you can't, you know, you can't afford not to do shit right. And like I, I've talked about this before, but what ends up happening is the kids, once they kind of embrace it, they have great pride in doing the right thing and pushing hard. And it becomes like a, not it's it's an attitude, but it becomes a sense of pride. Like this is how we do stuff. There's a reason why, uh, in in high school football, at least in Ohio, if you're up by 30 points, they just run that they keep the clock running the entire time, so that we have a running clock every game. You know, meaning we score. We're always up by 30 points or more. And it, our kids, like we've got to get out of here. Like we got to get home. <laughs> so it's in. It, so it, it's it's a sense of pride, and I hear parents get the clock running. Let's go. Yeah, and we have scores. <laughs> so uh, it's it's that kind of thing, and it's once you raise your level of expectation, I think kids want high levels to achieve. If you you know expect crap, you're going to get crap. Mm. So yeah, man, that's so, so, um keeping you guys in shape all year round. Like uh, I'm assuming your injuries would be pretty low or like nil, like. Yeah. That type of thing. Well, magically, yeah. My first year when I was there, I was on the field. We that final game, we had seven starters out. Now, seven starters on our team means because everyone plays both ways. That means fourteen positions weren't playing. Yeah. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. Magically, when you start to win, <laughs> no one gets hurt. <laughs> now we occasionally will have like the season-ending injury. That's just kind of the way it happens. Goes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, you know, that's bad luck. And then I tell the kids all the time, I said, where do we get, do we get hurt in the weight room? No, sir. Where do we get hurt on the field? I'm like, God damn right. We get hurt on the field. I said, it's an honor to get hurt for your buddies. That's what I tell them. Like there's no greater honor than, than uh, taking a bullet for your buddies. And there's, you know, be proud, you know, that's okay. I, you know, it's a hundred percent injury potential. However, the stronger you are, the more in shape you are, the more mobile you are, the more uh, harder you play the game. We have very, 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 very few injuries. I mean, very few. Mm. Um, other than like something that, like, listen, it's just, you know, the way it goes sometimes. But uh, like I said, winning takes care of a lot of this stuff too. Yeah. You know, on Saturday morning when you've won 75 to nothing, you know, your shoulder, it doesn't feel so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And you so, always got a little bit more energy when you're on offense yeah. as well, you know, when you're attacking. Yeah. 
I think it's just a bruise. I'm fine. So uh, that seems to have taken uh, a huge chunk out of that. And, uh, you know, like I said, we have the occasional thing. And what's even more amazing, the last three years, we've had uh, an offensive lineman break his hand. And every one of them just, they put a cast on it and they've never missed a game. Wow. And uh, so they play with a big club, you know. (laughs) Then they just use the other hand for the three, like the three point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's just the way it goes. So that again, you know, these kids work so hard, they're not going to miss a game because their hands in a cast, they're going to power through it. And uh, that is one of the, I've never been more proud. It's like these kids, you know, they work so hard and they want to work hard for their teammates. They take great pride in it. And you, it's hard to teach that outside of a physical sport. It really is. Uh, basketball, like, you know, you get poked in the eye and cry. You, know, you got to go to the, the Mayo Clinic or something or, the, you know, <laughs> whatever. It's just a different kind of attitude. Yeah. So, now, now, thanks, Jim, for sharing all this uh, stuff on the high school training and all that sort of stuff. Um, well, your own training, it's, it's quite uh, cool. I see some uh, posts about your training, like the Walrus stuff and that. You're doing like twice a day yeah. sometimes and that. Yeah. Is that every day? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, since uh, May 1st, uh, I've done 300 squats, 200 push-ups, 100 chin-ups, and uh, four or six miles on the Airdyne bike with a 20-pound vest. So uh, I don't know how many days that is, but uh, I've missed four days out of that, but I've made up, I've doubled up on the day after. So if I missed a day. I would do two of those a day or sorry. Yeah. Two, you know, so 600, 400, 200, uh, with a 20 pound vest. So it's been, uh, I got to a point, you know, I had lifted heavy for so long. I had, uh, my spine fused. I was in a bad motorcycle accident. I've got three hernias, just not doing good in my body. I could still lift barbells and stuff, but I couldn't lift hard. Yeah. And, I hated it. Like if I can't do something and have a goal and push the shit out of myself physically, I'm bored. So I figured out, well, what, what can I do and what can I do incredibly difficult? And this is something I found out that I can do. Uh, so it's not incredibly fun. It's, you know, it's repetitive. Yeah. Uh, but I feel better than I ever have. I mean, considering that I've had back issues and stuff like that, I'm able to do what I can do. And I'm able to push myself on certain days. We'll do like on Saturday, we did a thousand squats and 500 pushups. Man. And uh, the next day I'm fine. Like, Oh, it feels good. Like I'm not horribly sore. So physically I feel great. Uh, just a real, just so uh, we're clear is the, uh, I don't know, it's probably eight years ago. I came up with the term walrus training because it's the fat, gross cousin of the Navy SEAL. I figure, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I got a laugh out of that. And uh, but honestly, there's all there's different variations of this. And one of these days, I'm going to start compiling a book of all the different ways to do this and how to program it, whether using barbell training or just doing this exclusively. But uh, I'm 46 years old right now, from what 13 until. I guess 44, 45, I guess, you know, it's just hardcore bar, you know, lifting as hard as I can. And I was like, man, I needed to change. Uh, and I feel 
physically, like I feel like I'm in way better shape now, obviously. You do that every fucking day for, you know, uh, for a year, you're going to be feeling good. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy I got uh, some kind of focus again because it's, it's hard for me to train without focus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people, like, I love to train to train. I'm like, yeah, that's great. But when you have something on the line, your, your training just goes bananas. Mm-hmm. Like that's when you start really making some progress. So on right before I started this, I made a deal with myself. I said, listen, no matter what happens, I'm doing this every fucking day, no matter how sore I am, no matter how tired I am, no matter how cold or hot it is outside. Cause I train in my garage. So like the temperature swings are insane and I've stuck with it. And now it's more of an active discipline yeah. Yeah. and uh, which goes again to coaching. Uh, you know, I know you sent me a list of questions. You talk about leadership. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so one of the reasons why I'm really addicted to doing this stuff, I don't know if addicted is the right word, but the kids see what I do. You know, I live in a small town. Kids will drive by or, you know, I help some kids, you know, whatever. And if you, the leader needs to exemplify more discipline, uh, more effort, and a better attitude than what they're asking of their kids. That's how you get kids to buy in. I get, that's the most asked question I get uh, other than like, you know, training stuff, like specifically what's the program you do? Like, how do you get the kids to buy in? And you get them to buy in by being an example beyond belief. And I'm not always live up to this. And I struggle with this a lot, but the kids aren't going to listen to some flat schlub who doesn't do anything. And that doesn't mean that you might not know anything, but if you really want the kids to buy in initially and really start believing, you start living with that same amount of attitude and discipline that you expect from the kids. And magically, here's what's crazy. The more that I ask them myself, guess what happens? The more I ask for the kids and I start to realize what, what we can do as a team. And I've, the more that I've done this, the better I think I've gotten as a coach. And uh, I never ask the kids to do anything that I haven't done or won't, you know, won't do. Like I t- like, listen, uh, this weekend, this is what I'm doing. If anyone wants to step up and try and meet me, let's fucking do it. And uh, so I think that it's a, you never want to, you're not going to listen to a, some poor guy living a shanty about how to manage your funds. You're going to ask, uh, you know, the rich guy. You know, how did you make all this money? Yeah. So uh, I think that's super, super important. It's like if you're going to have 10 spots or 10 things for leadership, that's like one through eight. Be an example and not just an example, the greatest example you can be. Hmm. So I'm still working on that, but I think that's a huge thing. Uh, you know, you're never going to follow a schlep in the war. Now, I want one of the things that I always my buddies, uh, a couple of them served in Afghanistan and I always like, how do you go into battle without your leader? Because you got all these people telling you to go, I want that guy at the, at the tip of the spear with me. Cause I now I'll follow that guy. I have no problem. You know, I want to be a leader. I like that, but I have no problems hitching my, my uh, trailer to a guy who's willing to go out in front and start, you know, taking on the enemy. And that's kind of, and I know we're not talking about war here, but that same kind of attitude needs to be prevailing. You have to be the tip of the spear in attitude and discipline and work ethic. Yeah. So now I love that because I feel like a lot of people get disconnected. Like maybe they were a former athlete 
and they pres- yeah. the stuff for their kids, but they've forgotten what like it feels like to be in that type of pain. And yeah. and so when you're no. when you're leading from the front, you you you're connected to what they're going through and yes. can, yeah, relate that type well, of. After that three and seven team that that season, I sat down with the head coach and we were like, dude, what are we gonna do? Because whatever we did last year, we're not we can't do that. And you ever seen the show Seinfeld? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, George Costanza during one episode did everything the opposite of what he did. And he got like the prettiest girl. He got a promotion. He got like, everything was perfect in his life. And so I told him, let's just George Costanza this, whatever we did before, let's just do the exact opposite. So we literally paired it with anything we did too much. We just did less of, if we didn't have enough emphasis on X, Y, and Z, let's do, let's now have that. And, uh, because and I, I also said, and I call it, you never want to honor the dead ghosts or honor ghosts. And what that means is, uh, especially in football, but I assume this is in any sport, this is how it's always been done. This is how it's always been done. Now, a lot of it has merit. But I asked him, I said, what things when you were a player did you fucking hate? Like you couldn't stand it. Didn't, like, let's just take those things out. Let's just be done with it. Who cares? Let's do it our own way. Uh, now, those weren't like massive changes, but 25 small little changes started adding up you know, over time. And uh, so we got rid of a ton of stuff that was just kind of stuck, stuck in the past. And I said, screw it. Let's just get rid of it. And uh, I think that that was, again, you know, well, I did, you know, when I was a player, we did this kind of conditioning. Well, did do you think it was beneficial? No. Well, then don't do it. Yeah. You know, don't it's like the it's like the kid who got beat up all the time becomes the bully like you don't remember how that felt that was horrible so let's not do that let's have a better example so we did a lot of stuff uh and i think a lot of other teams are kind of figuring this out but we did a lot of things differently some fairly large things actually that we stopped doing and uh it was a total risk but i told him like well what's the worst we can have like well go two and eight yeah (laughs) it's not gonna get worse (laughs) you know so screw it. Let's just do things different. So it was a big reminder or a big eye opener for me because, uh, as you can imagine, uh, the sport of football has a culture. It's very rich in history. So when you start to kind of bend some of those rules, you know, it's like, oh, boy, you don't even you yeah. feel like you're you're bad mouthing like Muhammad Ali as a boxer or something like, oh, don't don't say it, man. This is crazy. So. Yeah, but you know that one of the best things we did was have a horrible season. If we went five and five, we probably wouldn't have changed anything. It's it's weird how people follow things just because that's the way it's always been done. But like, yeah. I always I always ask the question like, what 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 success have they had? You know, what what are they doing? Whoever it is, and a lot of the time, just pe- people are speaking from the ass. They don't really know what they're talking about. Like, oh, they haven't had the success. No. I won't listen to anybody unless they've had some sort of success, you know, or have, yes. uh, and the other, you know, the one thing like I'm just, this is one thing that I've noticed too, is in football, whoever is the winning team, most, you know, whatever team that would be, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? Now, the other thing you have to understand is what kind of talent do they have? Cause they're probably winning in spite of what they're doing because they have so much talent. If you don't have all the talent in the world, you can't do the same thing that the, the best team in the world is doing because they have all the, the great guys. It doesn't really matter that much what they do. 
you know, if everyone's just six foot five, you know, 270 pounds and running a four, four and shredded, like yeah. it doesn't really matter what they're doing. But so that's the other thing we have to kind of get out of. It's, you know, it doesn't mean you ignore them, but I'd rather find a team who's successful, who looks like us, right. like, you know, has very few players, doesn't have a ton of talent, uh, has to develop talent, stuff like that. So that's super important to understand too. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause the first few like athletes I coached like that were teens, they were freaks and um, I didn't realize at the time. Uh, and then like, then I had kids out afterwards, like, as you mentioned, they couldn't do a push up or pull up and, and it's been mostly like that since. So I got sort of lucky the first few, and um, it's been tough since, you know, with their physical, uh, you know, preparedness and that it's, it's, you know, do push ups and things like that. It's, it's you know the good, the good part go ahead yeah, no no it was just a good learning curve uh, learning from that yeah the only good thing about coaching that is you don't the the kid who can't do all this stuff you just have to get him to do some very basic stuff and he's going to be better like he doesn't need to power clean 400 pounds he needs to learn how to do three chin-ups in a row all of a sudden he's going to be physically better so it's it's kind of fun because you're like listen all we got to do is get this kid to do a push-up and we're going to be miles ahead of where we were before yeah you know so uh anyway that's uh, just there, there's good and bad for both of those uh you know on your resume it obviously looks better you know when you got mr all-state mr all-american guy who scores 60 points a game or whatever yeah. uh but the real work is with that kid who can't really do that much and you turn him into a, you know, a good player. No, it's been great, Jim. Like, um, it's, it's awesome uh, talking with you. Like, cause there's not many people that over here that are so, sort of similar sort of, uh, you know, interest and mindset and stuff like that with training and all that. So it's been awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, just got a couple of final questions. Um, yeah. Go ahead. um, just the greatest lesson your parents taught you, um, mom and dad or whoever brought you up. Uh, I had, have great, I had and have great parents, best parents I could ever ask for. Uh, my dad was a coach and a teacher and my mom was a teacher. So I think if I could whittle it down is my dad always told me, never follow the crowd. You know, that does, doesn't mean they're always wrong, but always do your own thing. And unfortunately I kind of took that way too far <laughs> on a lot of stuff. Uh, the uh, idea that work will get you somewhere was huge with my dad. I mean, he knew, you know, I knew at an early age, like I said, that I wasn't terribly talented. And I think his just put your nose down, stop looking for accolades. No one owes you a fucking thing. No one owes you anything. So just work, work, persevere, and you'll get there. And, uh, but I couldn't ask for better parents. I mean, they still, come to some of our, they they're still live in Illinois. They'll drive out to watch our football games. And, uh, you know, my, they still uh, listen to them on the radio when they're not in town. Um, so they've been incredibly supportive of, I mean, let's put it this way. When I was in high school, uh, I played in a rock band, like punk band. And I was the drummer. And I don't know if you know how this works, but the, that you always practice at the drummer's house because he's got the most equipment to so for four years, you know, every Saturday or something, you'd have all these kids come over and just make the worst racket. And they never said a thing. You know, they were always very supportive. 
And I just, now that I'm a parent, I'm like, oh my God, I would kill myself if my son started a band and had to play in the basement. So that should tell you everything. So they're very supportive of whether it be sports or music or anything else. And then they pushed me hard. They had high expectations, but um, I think uh, I lucked out. Let's just put it that way. Awesome. Um, is there like a book or maybe a couple of books that have had a big impact you know, on your life that you sort of refer back to? Uh, no, not really. I've, I've, I was an English major in college, so I've read like a million books. And when I grew up, that was massively emphasized in my house. Everyone had to read, be reading a book at some point, you know. Um, I will say that uh, the best books I ever read was by James Elroy, which is not a, it's a fiction author, kind of. Uh, do you, you know, you obviously know Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, yeah. He's, uh, Russell Crowe started in a movie called L.A. Confidential, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. That was uh, book was that movie was based on one of Elroy's books. But it's I, I enjoy fiction and like that kind of insane noir. noir, I guess, kind of fiction where it's just grisly fucking LAPD cops in the 1950s, you know, uh, taking uh, doing whatever the hell they want corrupt but good still and uh but i've never really had i know this sounds i don't know if this sounds pompous i never got anything out of uh the uh motivational books yeah because i didn't i don't really i didn't really need it because i was so driven even my dad like my dad is an incredibly quiet person and uh he told me this is a year ago I never had to push you because I've never seen a younger kid more, uh, more disciplined and more uh, like hard nosed about what he wanted to do. He's like, I've never had to do anything with you. So now I just say like, why well, you had the easiest job parenting ever, you know? Uh, cause I never smoked. I never drank. Cause I never wanted to ruin my athletic stuff. So I'm like, man, you guys had it fucking easy with me. <laughs> so I never, I never got anything out of that. I don't, I think uh, once you understand uh, the perseverance of hard work. I don't, all that stuff just, it's like eating a Italian food. You get stuffed, you know, for a 45 minutes and you're hungry again. I just don't think it works. You got to live it. You know, you can only reading books as much as I love that stuff. It's not going to really help you. So how, how do you go with your, with your, you know, being a father with your own kids, like for me being a former, you know, want to be athlete and um, a meathead. Yeah. I want my kids to obviously excel in sports and stuff. So it's like, I don't, uh, yeah, how do you balance that? Like, hey, how do you uh, navigate that? Sort of stuff? Yeah, that's that's very hard. Uh, my oldest son uh, just gra is graduating this year from high school. He lives in Texas, but I still uh, talk to him all the time. But his last two years, I Zoom called him and trained him. <laughs> and uh, it was awesome. And uh, so we, it was a great the, the, the one thing, like you want the kids to have that physical, to have that same kind of, I don't want to say success, but the same experiences that you had. But, uh, you know, selfishly, he loves football. So I get to talk to him about football all the time. Like we have a genuine connection. We're always texting each other. Like, Did you see this shit? Oh my God. So selfishly, it's awesome to have that kind of relationship. With my youngest son, we started training him. When was that, babe? I guess three months. three months, he's uh, 10. So we do four workouts a week. We squat, bench, deadlift, 
press, jump, chin-ups, push-ups, body weight squats, tons of jumps. And uh, it only takes, what, 20 minutes? Yeah. 20 minutes or something. And he was kind of like, I don't want to do it. And now he's, I have like these little fractional plates, you know? Yeah. Like a one one quarter pound plates. And so we set PRs. I mean, every day, it's just like you slide a little thing on and he, you know, I don't know if you heard, but I did like a hundred, you know? So he's starting to take great pride. And he thinks like he walks around with his shirt off now, you know, checking himself out. And, uh, it's also that. So, but I, I tell my oldest son, I've told this to everyone. It doesn't matter what job you have. If you're physically fit, you're going to be fine. Yeah. It doesn't like your life will be so easy. Yeah. Uh, if you just kick a little ass, uh, and it only takes really as an adult, maybe 30 to 45 minutes. Like it doesn't have to, whatever you want to do, but it's work incredibly hard for that. And after six months, like you're going to feel like a new person. Yeah. And uh, so, but yeah, it's hard, you know, it's, it's just, my dad was a coach, but he was never my coach. So I never had that blur yeah. uh, where it's like, you know, you're my dad and then you, dress me down, you know, in front of everyone. So I never had that. So it's always been a little weird, but with my youngest son, like he needs that kind of direction. He needs that push and he thrives on the, the, the discipline and the expectations. So he's a little different, I think, but Oh my God, he's a little different. Oh my God. Man. I, I feel like <laughs> I feel weird sometimes because I, I can't help, but want my, my girls to go pro in the sport, you know, like yeah. even though one's only three and one's, uh, there was one, and um, I talked to like other parents and family, and they're like, oh, "I'm just gonna let them do what they want, find what they want." And they're like, "No, no, no, you're gonna, you're gonna try." You know, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's like I always tell people: if you don't influence them, someone else will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, you don't want them to hate doing what they do, yeah. but they don't even know what they like. Exactly. And, <laughs> Yeah, I tell the kids when I'm coaching, I said, there's a reason you don't vote. Why you can't make decisions in here and why we don't let you make decisions for everyone else because you're fucking stupid. <laughs> you're stupid. Yeah. So I make the decisions in here, Yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, like, oh, coach, like, what? You can't vote for a reason. You're yeah. too dumb. And I, th I heard this the other day. If a 35-year-old guy had the mentality of a 14-year-old kid, you would think he was an idiot. Yeah, yeah. So that makes 14 year old kids an idiot. So, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so it's, it's all nice to, to be like a hippie parent, but it doesn't work very well. Yeah. You got to push them somewhere. Yeah. I'm definitely pushing it. Like, I even got, I got like a little basketball hoop in the house. I put a ball, yeah. uh, just like brainwasher. There's a basketball yes. hoop outside. We watch basketball. Um, oh, all sports, but we watch basketball. I just want yeah. to see it. Um, you know, we wouldn't play pickup games, try to bring it down and stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely not just. Well, the, the one, yeah, like we have our weight rooms in our garage, so it's all part of our lifestyle. Yeah. So he thinks it's normal that we have, you know, a monolift and, uh, <laughs> you know, dad's doing chin ups with his weight vest. And, you know, that's just the way things go. Doesn't your dad do chin ups until his hands bleed? No, that's weird. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I've got a garage gym as well, and they crawl around. And, and um, I've got a little one kilo weights, and she, you know, she picks yeah. up talks about muscles and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Does um, one rep. That's yeah. all I need to do. And when I change I it, I change her nappy, and she, she pretends like doing sit ups. That's right. 
Do it. Lift up your legs. Squeeze my hands. Squeeze my fingers. Grip, uh, grip training. Yeah, 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 I did that. Squeeze my pinky. Yeah. So. I want to hear something crack, kid. No food. Yeah. I even get on the uh, the playground and, and try to play tag with them just so I can, they can work on their agility. Well, it's that, the playground is, uh, I don't know, like we have one down at the school that, uh, you know, they have the uh, monkey bars that we make him do uh, and all this. The other thing is he jumps off stuff and lands. That's super important. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think like two years ago, he started jumping off something that was about four and a half feet high. And it just like, I'm like, don't, oh my God, it's so bad. He just flies off and lands. And I'm like, God, if I did that, every bone in my body would be, you know, my muscles would tear. But it's, it's awesome for them. Just, that's just playtime. That's again, what kids aren't getting a lot of, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they're not getting it, you're going to have to provide it in some, you know, some way. So. So I'm just a couple more questions. I just message you with, uh, put on a billboard, like, people seeing through on the way to work or wherever they go I would see every day we've been we were talking about putting up a billboard that you know take care of your own shit you know (laughs) (laughs) be your own boss uh take responsibility stuff like that I think would be a huge thing uh be your own leader I think would be huge um I tell that to the kids when they're strength training I said listen like the, the game, any game you play is a team sport, but in here you have to be selfish with your effort. Like if someone's not working hard, get them out of your rack. You start, you know, take ownership of what you have. And I think that would be a, you know, it's very much like Jordan Peterson always says, make your own bed. Don't police the world until you can police yourself. And you'd be surprised how lacking you are in areas that you think other people should excel at. Does that, you know what I'm saying? Like, you should do this. It's like, well, you're not doing it. <laughs> you know, why would I listen to you? So I think that would probably be the big thing is, uh, you know, take care of yourself. And, you know, with the one thing that I've learned over this, especially over the the nuts of COVID was I'm amazed at how many people think other people have authority over them. You don't have any authority over me at all. You can't tell me to do something. Uh, now, of course, you know, there's exceptions, like I'm not going to murder someone, like there has to be a moral framework to that, but you know, like what, uh, you know, uh, Andrew Cuomo did by putting people into, uh, COVID patients in the nursing homes. And there's like, you know, 10,000 people were killed by him. Like, you don't have to do that. Like you don't have to, he's a, I don't know. Like some lady yelled at me for not having a mask. I'm like, you don't have an authority over me. Like, what do you think you are? Yeah. You're nothing. Yeah. You know? And so I, that's one of the things like I value it's America is very weird. Cause I had a friend come over from Australia. He comes over every year or so. And when he comes back, everyone's like, Oh my God, is everyone just carrying guns and just shooting? He's like, no, it's just like, that's, this is it's such a massive part of our culture, uh, especially in the Midwest where it's like, Listen, we should. I want to do your own thing. If you're not hurting anyone, you know, let it go. And uh, it's just a different, like you grow up with that kind of outlaw spirit. Like you're not telling me anything. And uh, again, that's what my dad taught me. Like you don't follow anyone. Like you're your own person. You do what you need to do. So, uh, but as parents, like you, I realize how important it is to instill that because I don't want my kids falling in the line with some, you know, 
something that's not morally correct. I just, it makes me sick to my stomach. And so we know that's something I, we probably do a little too good of a job on it. Yeah. You know, stand up for yourself. Like they don't have any authority over you. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. That's good. Cause I've been to the States like three times and it's, it's not like what uh, you see on the movies and TVs. Like no. everybody no. being like so hospitable and like helping us out, you know, being tourists, we're lost and things like that. People, yeah right direction tell us where to where to go eat and stuff like that so i don't think i've had a bad interaction yeah no you have to understand too there's the i tell everyone the in the entertainment comes out of one part of the country and the news comes out of another everything else is completely different yeah. you know it's just a different area of way to <clears throat> different morals different area of life uh and uh so it just depends on because the united states is a huge country i don't think people realize like each pocket is different. Like the South is nowhere anything like the Northeast. Like this, you couldn't ask for two different, you know, not just weather, just the way that people are. So it depends greatly on where you're at. And the good thing is you can move anywhere you want. It's like you're free to do whatever the hell you want. And uh, so living in a small town in Ohio, you have tremendous amounts of freedom. Like during, the, I always tell this, during the COVID lockdowns, my wife doesn't like this. We trained everyone at my, my gym here. Yeah, 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 and no one said anything. Like we, we knew all the cops. We knew a lot of the DAs and stuff. They're like, "No, you're fine. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> we're not following anything." So we never lost a day. I think we lost two weeks of training. Yeah. Oh man. And, uh, so everyone, the kids just worked and worked, and the parents were like, no, "They weren't freaking out about it." I'm sure some were, but for the most part, everything was fine. Yeah. So uh, I'm very like I was never more proud of my town than during that time where people were like, "We're doing our own thing," you know. So uh, just, it was nice to see not people. Uh, I'm not going to, I don't want to get terribly weird about this, but anyway. That's, so, yeah. That's cool to hear. Cause I didn't go through like maybe the last, yes, maybe the last five or six weeks, I just got some of my cousins and nephews, you know, same thing training out of the garage, but yeah. we looked at each other, the neighbors and we're like, I won't tell if you won't tell. And you know, they yeah. got people over as well and that sort of thing. So it's, it's all, it's all been good. Uh, and then I've got I, just the last couple of weeks, some of the basketball boys come and train in the morning. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah. I think it's all good stuff. You know what we're training, you know, trying to, you know, we're connecting physical. Uh, it's good for the kids, man. They need it. So it's the yeah. uh, suicide rate skyrocketed for kids during yeah. the lockdowns. It's, you know, we're so man is a social animal. You need that interaction. It's super important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you saw the every single politician break his own rules, you're like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, they're not for your health. They're, it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. You guys are a bunch of fucking losers. So that's when I was like, you know what? We're done. I didn't really believe them anyway. Like, we were, during the lockdown, we traveled. We're like, fuck it, let's go. We're on planes. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> So, uh, so the last question is just your definition of success. I read that, and it's there was a book I read when I was uh, in high school. My uh, my co my mentor, whatever you want, my coach, trainer, it's called "The Greatest Salesman in the World." It's by this guy named Og, and that's O G, the worst possible name. Yeah, Og Mandino, and he said everyone measures success differently, but everyone measures failure the same way. And failure is simply not reaching your goals. And, you know, everyone's going to have a different version of success. Uh, and, but I think we can all say it's just reaching whatever goals you have 
And I just think it's super important that people have goals. And I'll, uh, before we go, my wife just ran for, uh, what is it called? School board. She, she ran for the school board here. Because it was one of those things like if we're going to be part of the change, we're going to be the, we're going to do the stuff. And, you know, you hear a lot of stuff, you know, we before me and, you know, we're together. It's like at this age, at a young age, you have to be independent and you have to be striving for your own goals. Let's push that. Let's push kids who are self-motivated, who have a sheet in front of them says, listen, I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to do this every day. And I think building a goal-oriented culture, and it doesn't mean you're selfish. It just means like, listen, I'm responsible for my own success. I have the power to make a change. Let's go ahead and do that. Now, that doesn't mean like you're going to go become the president or go to space. It means, listen, I'm going to graduate high school. I'm going to have good grades. I'm going to go get an internship or I'm going to go do an apprenticeship somewhere. Like that's how you, the kids need to learn how to be goal-oriented uh, rather than, it's we're all in this together. Bullshit. I'm in it. Like these kids need to learn how to how to strive for goals and that that they can reach those goals. I really think that that's super important. So um, I don't know. I always found that weird. It's like you can't how you tell a 10 year old that, you know, we're all in like in this together. Come on. It's like now a kid kid wants to do well on his math test for himself. You know, he doesn't care what his neighbor's doing. Yeah. And when they join the when they join the Marines, it can be we before me. But until then, let's kick some ass uh, on an individual level. So, my wife wanted to let she left me a note here. Uh, we one of the things that I, we don't, don't really publicize this at all. But I have a, a forum, the Jim Weather Forum. It's four ninety nine a month, and we screen everything out. So there's no politics, there's no baloney, and it's all training hundred percent of the time. Uh, we have a tremendous amount of good guys on there that help out i don't know how we have hundreds of people on there you just made a post about training jigs yeah and she, my wife just made a post about how how we train our kid she does stuff with the, the how we train the the high school football and the junior high team and there's a lot of just regular guys on there who you know we help out and stuff so it's a great resource there is everyone has to post under their real name there's no you know big squatter 480 or uh you know, anyone that we don't like in there or something or acts out of line, we just boot them off and refund them the money. Yeah. So it's an awesome, we, it took a many years to get this going, but it's a great resource. And I know, yes, it's a paid form, but without that, you can't, Yeah. you have to, you know, Support. you gotta have some kind of, you gotta have some kind of bouncer at the front door, you know? <laughs> What's it? What so, is it? Uh, just Jim. Yeah, it's on the website, jimwender.com forum. And there's a little thing you fill out. My wife will works with all that stuff and make yeah. sure that you know, you're on the up and up and stuff. So, and the good thing is, is uh, it's the most supportive community I've ever, ever seen like online. Cause it, usually they start off really good, you know, and then just goes to shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, have a bunch of trolls on there and stuff like that. So we've only had a couple instances here and there where people kind of got out of line, but you know, we have the power to take them off and it's, it's essentially a great community with a stern uh, leader. That's like, I'm not, you know, boop, we don't need your five bucks that much, honey, you know? So I'm just very, very proud of what we built. So it's, it's been good. So. Thanks, Jim. Uh, appreciate your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. I really do. I know it's, uh, it, uh, I know it allows me to talk about myself, the most uh, important thing to me. 
<laughs> it's true, man. I talk about myself all fucking day. <laughs> right, but thank you for uh, reaching out. I do appreciate it. And uh, if you ever need anything or you know any questions, just feel free. Like you, my wife, you know, you contacted her. Yeah. That's the best way to get a hold of anyone. I don't answer text or emails. I don't do any of that stuff. I'm yeah. like all my friends text my wife. Like, hey, what's Jim doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, tell him I'm, uh, I'll, you know, whatever. So, uh, but yeah, we'd be more than happy to help out. And good luck, man. You're you're kind of climbing up a yeah. new territory. But the good thing is just build the success because once you build the success, everything starts falling into place. You just got to, you know, it might take longer than you think. So, yeah. and the other thing is you're doing good work. You know, you're helping people. You're helping young people. There's nothing better. You know, do you ever see the quote that I had that, you know, if you want to change the world, raise good kids. If you don't have kids, coach, teacher, mentor. So that's, you know, you can go out to all the protests and scream at everyone, but this is how you help people out. You raise your daughters well and you help people, help the kids out. That's yeah. how you change the world. Uh, so. No, I love that because I think growing up, I, um, you know, wanted to be a pro athlete and then help the world and stuff. But I realized I just got to help myself and my community, you know what I mean? And that's, you gotta help yourself first. You know what I? It's the uh, you ever been on an airplane where they tell you to put your mask on first? Yeah, yeah. Take care of your shit, and then you can start helping other people. But I, so, I, like you're saying, just helping my own family, my own community, and then yeah. wherever it goes from there, it goes from there. But it's it's uh, purposeful and fulfilling work. So, uh, thanks, thanks for the great. Business. Yeah, it's bigger than you think. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, Jan, I appreciate the time. Thank you. I gotta go work out now. All right, man. Thanks, Jim. It's been fun. All right. Take it easy.